I've always thought it'd be really funny if um, men could drink like elephants, like in their through their dick. I've tried, I've tried, uh, and I've failed so many times. I've succeeded once, yeah, but I failed so many times. Swimming and in a lake would be totally different. <laughs> yeah, the lake would disappear around you all of a sudden. You'd be like a fountain. <laughs> what are you doing, Andrew? Ugh, sorry, <laughs> so thirsty. <laughs> Retrograde podcast where we remind you what you used to love and whether or not you still should. I'm Andrew Bascom. And I am Mikey, the man who is going to talk to you about Dabs Aaronworth. Oh boy. Wow. Mikey just look you just, you just realized we didn't have something for number five. I no, uh we don't have anything for number five. I don't have a name. I literally turned beat red there. I yeah. I I corpsed, I think is what they call it in, in the biz. <laughs> I just corpsed yeah. hard. Um, I usually that's my preferred sexual move. Uh, in yeah. this case, it's just you and me talking. Um, so we did quarantine. That was the first episode. Quarantine, I think, is what we called it. And then we had quarantine and quarantine. And then we did uh, my favorite, quarantine. Nice. This one. What about quarantine divided by two? <laughs> what about five and teen? We're not like we're just like blowing past. I don't like that one. Because oh, where's the five you. fit in? Where's the five <laughs> fit in? Come up with something else. Five fit. Quarantine no. divided by two. Quarantine divided by two. It's quarantine, not quarantine. Quarantine divided by two. Mikey, yours isn't good. Neither is mine. But yours is definitely mm. not better than mine. <laughs> They're both Agree bad. to disagree. Agree to oh, disagree okay. on that sure, one. Sure, 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 yeah, sure, I'm sure. taking this one to the grave. I'm really mm, planting my flag in this. This is this is where, <laughs> this is where you and I either come together and continue the <laughs> podcast, or I go my own way and I start the quarantine divided by two podcast, where all I do is this episode on repeat, and then I I, I revisit specific moments of it that I loved. Like this is the oh. moment where Andrew and my friendship ended completely because <laughs> he couldn't agree. Yeah, we have it yeah. on tape. And and yeah. we mean analog tape because we do record all these with my cassette player. It looks a lot like the Home Alone uh We do reel player. to reel. Yeah. It's we just, do. It's, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. We're an old-time radio show. This is, yeah, just like they used old to. Record distantly. Um, oh, distant. Yeah. Record distantly. <laughs> mm, what a good adverb for that. Uh, distantly? Uh, thanks, no, buddy. Never mind. Never mind. Remotely? I don't know. Adjective. Whatever. Whatever. Um, okay. So welcome to Retrograde Bonus Episode to be determined of what name but it's number five um quarantine we, two. okay sure but we want to talk about the show devs uh we a do show by, a show by alex garland on fx it just wrapped up its mini series of eight episodes uh and we are here to discuss it at length this is a spoiler cast heads up that's true the uh, prodigal son of judy herself alex garland coming to the silver screen this time <laughs> or wait what's the <laughs> What's the TV? Is that silver screen? The boob no, box? what's silver screen? The, uh, the, yeah, the boob tube. The boob tube. Boob tube. That's what it's. Boob Coming box. The boob that's tube. Sense. Um, so you boob told me. <laughs> I call that my bus box. Oh, my bus nice. box is also my Kleenex that I keep next to my bed. Um, <laughs> um, I, uh, you told me about this show. I yes. think when it was about three episodes in, and I loved Annihilation, and I loved uh, Ex Machina. Yeah. And those are both Alex Garland properties. So I didn't even know about this show until you turned me on to it. And I caught up very, very quickly. I watched all the episodes in a row. Um, if you haven't, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen devs, um, 
There's not going to be much for you in this podcast, maybe. Yeah. I mean, listen to it if you don't plan on watching the yeah. show because I was gonna we're say, hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, if you plan on watching the show, I'd probably leave. If you don't care about spoilers, and I think increasingly we're, there is a population out there that just does not care. Like, spoil it for me. I don't care. Right. There's so right. much content out there. It's like, well, if, if I might see it. I might not. Who knows? Stick around. But uh, we're going to try and be we're going to try and get in depth a little bit with what we thought about the show. Um, yeah, I I don't know where do you come down on that spoiler mentality. Like for me, I I don't like things being spoiled for me at all. I I, I but it's not necessarily because I want to be surprised by the ending. It's more because I don't want to be influenced on my thoughts on the ending. So like oh, if I hear someone explain it to me and they have a slant towards whether it was good or bad or even just an interpretation on what happened, which is very much. Uh, the case in in devs you you may have read certain things different ways that's what i don't want to be influenced towards because i probably will read it whatever way someone tells me well that's interesting i actually don't care about things being spoiled for me at all like i i i like to be honest when people like try and do you know cartwheels to get out oh, oh i'm so sorry I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. life's short like just let i don't care like let's talk yeah yeah um and then you're right but then shows like this come out which I will say, like, so Alex Garland has a very specific style. He's written many things. He's been a participant in many things. But the, the shows he's been directly or the, the properties he's been directly uh, attributed to creating or directing, which at this point is only Annihilation and Ex Machina and now Devs, have a very clear bent on them. Like a very yeah. distinct auteur-style touch to them that you clearly know. Like, oh, you could watch something the next property and go, is this Alex Garland? Is this Alex Garland? Because yeah. yeah. it feels like it. And so shows like this that kind of find them find their way into not a clear ending would be very much influenced by somebody else telling you the ending. That's that's very true. And I I wouldn't like that. Although, I mean, I think in terms of what actually ends up happening, there's a pretty clear read on that. But the motives and intentions and the buildup and the lead up to it, I think, are up for interpretation a little bit. Um, I agree. When, when you talk about this as like an Alex Garland property and him being so specific and unique, I, I agree with that. And I like the fact, especially because his idea of sci-fi is very similar to, to what I like in sci-fi, yeah. um, that, that it, I like that it's very identifiable. Um, he like in, in this specifically, you know, the themes of, of intelligence, like going beyond like, like self-awareness in intelligence, whether it's in machines or humans, um, from that also just to the overall mood aura ambiance and, and like set design is very specific. And I I thought Mm -hmm. that the design of the show was, was gorgeous. Yeah. It's funny. We haven't talked about this because we knew we were going to talk about the podcast. We haven't talked about it at all. Um, and I agree. There are so many things I want to hand out for like, congratulations. The the set design, the way they shoot things is very, very distinct. And the sound, the sound, sound effects and music is like very clearly his, the way that they use sound to keep you off and on edge and uneasy um, is a really like very iconic thing towards Alex Garland. Reminds me of Mindhunter a little bit like Mindhunter season two specifically did a lot of the same thing. Hmm. Hmm. Um, This. So, so the, I, I want to get out of the way from the beginning because I, I will say on the outset, I loved this show. I absolutely loved this show. Um, but it does have a, a lot of like, f- from a broad perspective, the show was great. Uh, and, and it's overall message was great, but the closer you look at it, the more imperfections you can find. And that's something that, that I feel kind of nitpicky when I bring it up, but 
in sci-fi, you have ways of masking those sorts of things. And Alex Garland, to his fault or or or, or to his credit, really goes for it. But as a result, yeah, he hide leaves himself it. open to those yeah. criticisms. Yeah, yeah. Like, I he, guess I guess at this point we can we can kind of open it up and just say we're going to be talking about specifics. So if we say something specific, your warnings yeah. up. Get the fuck out of here or yeah, stay. But don't complain. Yeah, you said the corner. Check your mouth. Um, um, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I, he doesn't hide behind these tropes that could be so clear in science fiction. He, he, you. They're so often that you could just kind of wave your hand and go like one character goes, and because of the engineering, and he walk away, and you don't ask any questions. You're like, oh, okay, whatever. Right, um, right. They, he makes it like really clear to go like, no, I'm going to tell you exactly. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on here. And right. so much so that like something in Ex Machina, it's painful. And that's kind of where the show, the the movie's horror comes from is going, oh, I know exactly what's going on. Um, yeah. Whereas this one, it, 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 <laughs> it doesn't. Self-determinalism, determinalism in general is a tough, is a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people, which is the show it's- is literally based on. It's a tough pill to swallow, and I I like the idea of him taking a stance and and saying definitively yeah. one way or another that that uh, determinism is or is not real, and and it turns out in the end, um, well, I mean, the the basically he leans on the many worlds theory, which is a real yeah. theory of quantum physics, which essentially says it's like if you the easiest way to explain it is when I roll a dice uh, a die. Um, the chances of it are are landing on one to six. And by me casting that die, um, it, 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 in one world, it could end land on a one or a two or a three or four. And there's a bunch of different micro differences in each of our decisions and actions over the course of a day. Our lives will uh, be altered because of it. Right. Right. And the paths that are on will be altered, but that, but that in, in this theory sort of means that, it splits reality into each yeah. of those different variations. And I think it does a good job of, of showing that in mm-hmm. this, in this, uh, in this, uh, 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 uh show. And I, I also think that eventually it does a good job of saying definitively that, um, that, and I'd like to hear your interpretation of it, but, yeah. but my reading of it is that many worlds was always real, but the reason the machine stops working is it's obviously, you know, Lily's self-awareness in the end to decide on something and make a choice. But it doesn't mean to me one way or another that many worlds is real or uh, is, 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 is not existent because it's not that strict, um, that strict path that we're on. But as soon as she decided to change it, she essentially mixed all of those uh, realities into one so that this machine, which was tasked with essentially predicting the future, could no longer do that. Yeah, I agree with you. And to, for good examples of what Mikey's talking about, watch the community episode about this where they roll yes. a die and there yeah. are literally seven different options because one is if he falls in the cracks. Um, right. and, <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I think it's that. And so earlier in the show, Forrest, um, who was played by Nick Offerman, who is kind of the, the, the head of this company um, that called Maya. Um, um, that, um, Amaya, I think. Amaya, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was because of his daughter's name or something like that, right? Yeah, and, it is. Uh, yeah. Okay, and he literally is is the one kind of kind of creating this creating this machine that will help that will help kind of accelerate the plot and both the many different extensions. And so when the young programmer is fired early in the show because she finds that they are recreating history with Aramaic with Jesus Christ telling a story, she he gets really upset because he doesn't like the idea of a multiverse situation. Which, by the way, if you 
if you really want to get into multiverse, heads up, MCU's got about like 12 movies coming out that are going to be all <laughs> yeah, about this. Yeah, Literally, yeah, the multiverse yeah. is like the reason this the MCU will hinge in the future. So you better like it because yeah. it's coming. So um, Kevin Feige was probably watching this going like, good, 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 good. Mm, like great, do all the hard sure. work so I don't have to tell them. Um, yeah. This idea where he didn't want a multiverse because he wanted an an isolated solo recreation or solo life of the life that he had lived with his daughter that he's trying to recreate that it, it's kind of admitted pretty early on that he wants to go back to a time with his wife and his, his uh, daughter that he lost out on. Well, the, and, so the, the specific reason why he's so dead set against the idea of a multiverse and, and, and a many worlds theory where, where one decision uh, can kind of change and alter the course and why he's so keen on determinism is because it's essentially a very small choice that he made and a fraction of a second one way or another that killed his family you know it's his choice to have been speaking to his wife even though she didn't want to be talking on the phone while she was driving a car essentially what happens he's talking to his wife as she's on her way home her and her and his daughter are in the car and she's like, I don't want to talk on the phone. He's like, let's just talk on the phone, whatever. And she drives through an intersection and gets hit by a car. Now, in his mind, if if determinism is real, that was going to happen no matter what. And ultimately, he had no control over it. However, if determinism is not real and you do have choice, mm-hmm. then it was his fault that they died. It was his fault yeah. by following his exact path that they died. And he can't live with that. I just think that that's a great – it's a great – um, reason to give to someone for being so strong-minded or, 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 or hard-minded. I agree. And in that scene, they kind of introduced this great animation style of showing the many different lives they could have yes. lived because from that moment, one character breaks into sometimes five or six people and shows right. the different ways they could have lived their life after this or before this, um, right. if the car had arrived home. Um, it was funny too, because you know early on, if you remember us talking about the show, Mikey had some issues with some like tropes that it was falling into for TV show things. And I want to talk about that because I think a lot of them kind of paid off because in one of them was Nick Offerman going like, honey, I know you don't have to talk on the phone, but I love you. And I want to talk to you. And you're you're like, they're going to die. I know they're going to die. And then they get run into a car and, and I'm like, Oh, that is so dumb. But when they show the split, it's like, oh, that's why they wanted to show us this. Because right. in one of these lives, it is it is stupid. It's the reason why they die is really stupid. And and probably in my life, there was probably a million ways I didn't even know I could have died, but it probably would have happened. Yeah. And it would have yeah, been yeah. stupid if you watched it on camera. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I kind of love that payoff a little bit of like, oh, okay, that's why they that's why they did that. Okay. Yeah, I mean that that was that was nice. There were still some tropes that I found kind of stupid. Well, let's talk the, about it. The, yeah, so the last scene or one of the last scenes in in the show, like the essentially the climax, everything's leading up to this point in time when this machine that's being worked on as a part of the devs program at this Amaya company, um, its its job is essentially to uh, to to use all the data based on all the particles uh, that that they've or even just one particle. It's basically using all the data of the world to to recreate what had happened in the past or. Yeah. Or, or envision or predict essentially with 100% certainty what's going to happen in the future. So this machine has always been predicting this one moment where Lily, the, the main protagonist, I think, uh, comes into the devs area and essentially something she does and you don't know what it is and she doesn't know what it is and no one really knows what it is 
makes it so that the machine can no longer predict what happens beyond that point. Yeah. Right. So, so in that scene, before they go to that final moment where Lily does the thing that she's going to do, Nick Offerman shows her the clip of what she's going to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Now, this may be very nitpicky, but this bothered me a lot because in the, in the, the video, essentially in this room where they can kind of analyze what's, what's, or see what's going to happen. It shows the scene play out. And in that scene, Nick Offerman says, where are you taking me? And she says, I'm taking you to where you killed Sergey, my, my boyfriend. And they have this conversation about what's about to happen. But that scene had to have been preceded by her and him watching what was about to happen. So why would that conversation have ever taken place if determinism were true in this story? It's just a big loop because what what they should have been watching was a scene unfolding in which Lily and Nick Offerman had just watched themselves see what was about to happen. Like those weird little gaps just make me feel like were you – were you not paying attention or was this purely just a trope for TV at that point? Well, I, my, my problem with that though, is that and then it becomes a snake eating its tail because eventually this has to be an, uh, a medium in which people are meant to watch it. And if we're watching people watching it, it wouldn't, it just wouldn't then every time that they're watching it and themselves are in camera, which happens a couple of times, wouldn't that just be like a kaleidoscope where it's just like repeating image, like over and over and over and over and over but again? That, that does happen a couple of times. That literal moment happens a couple of times where they look like two seconds into the future. Yeah. Um, but the, the whole premise is basically like, it doesn't matter if you've looked into the future, you're still going to do the thing that you see because there's no way to escape the path. And they right. show what does happen and it pays no attention to the fact that a minute earlier, they would have watched what's going to happen. And this this is, is, is a smaller seed of a bigger issue that I have with this concept, which is you have the smartest minds in the world handpicked working at this devs company. Not a single one of them said, show me what happens 30 seconds from now. And they see themselves sitting or standing and they just don't sit or don't stand. Like, where is the scene? Where's the scene where someone tries not to do that? See, yeah, but and, I was, and explain I was, that away to me. Yeah, I was thinking that, and I, I, I think it's to show, like, the one scene that I think really sticks out is that they were saying, like, well, why aren't we on camera with all the many developers that are there? And they, and Stuart changes the channel to them looking at each other, and right. they're about three seconds in advance. The they're watching a screen that is showing them what they do, and they in, inevitably end up doing it anyway. They don't think for one second to go, "Don't do that." Go, "Oh, that's weird. Why did I do that?" I think it's to show the power of it and say how, how, how weak we are to the fact that we were going to do that. We're going to do it anyway. We can't not do it. It's, it's like, we can't get away from the fact that we were going to do that. Why were we going to do it in the first place? Well, that's still the reason we're still going to do it. And yeah, I I think the pro yeah, I I think that's where it is. So if that's one of your nitpicks, I want to hear who do you think was like the MVP of the show? Like, who do you think a character, an idea scene? What was like an MVP of the show where you're like, this stands out? You mean just in terms of like, if it's, if it's a character, um, I think the, I honestly think the best character in that show was the, the kid coder who got fired. I think he was the best actor on the show. And I think he had the most weight to what he's doing because he, he didn't care about 
unlike everyone else in the show, he didn't care about the results that got him to the answer. All he cared about is what is the answer? Whereas you have someone like Nick Offerman's character who's like, I will only accept the answer if it follows a certain path. And that uh, right. enclosure that, that he, he gets himself in prevents him from really discovering the truth of anything. And it's, it's, if you kind of, find that as a parallel to determinism in general like nick offerman's character doesn't care about how he got there as long as he ends up where he needs to end up. or sorry sorry he 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 just wants to end up at a certain place and will take whatever path he has to get uh, uh, he thinks is going to get him there this other little yeah. kid uh, that the kid coder i can't remember his name he's, he's about 16 years old i think in the show He's basically living without determinism. He's basically saying, take me wherever I need to go, and that's going to be where, where I end up. And ultimately what kills him is Katie, the 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 love interest slash like co-antagonist, I guess, yeah. in this in this show, forcing him to to put his to question his belief in determinism and that's what kills him essentially when he finally does what what he's supposed to do in a sense that's what yeah. destroys his creativity and ultimately kills him yeah i i i, I think i my mvp for the show is stewart i think you need uh who is the older coder um oh yeah he's great it was it was I, between him and the younger one for me i think he's got like a really heavy heavy job where he's got to kind of carry soul inside of a mechanical and engineering yeah. feat and he does this idea of like adding a consciousness to it or a or um i don't know you know i i just think he adds some heart to that role where that could have been yeah. a really tough role to do and i and, and he, so I think he was a, he was a sweetheart and him him playing off of the of of the kid coder i, I should know his name i i don't but but their interactions were were, were great i loved those I think it was, I believe it was a female actress, actually. No, no, but, actually, I thought it was, but it wasn't. It was It was a guy, because they mentioned it a few times. Oh, okay. I think that, that character was played by Kaylee Spiney. But, oh. uh, yeah, no. I don't, well, I know I one thing which I which I actually I like, because I'm assuming this is like five years in the future or something like that. I want to talk about that. Um, which, which is really, I, I like that a lot. Cause at first it seems like it's it like the first episode, you're like, oh, this is 20 years in the future or something yeah. like that. But no, it turns out it's like, it's like pretty, pretty soon. And the choices they make, uh, they make a clear choice to androgenize a lot of characters, which yes. I like their, their masculine feminine identities are very much blurred. Uh, even Lily, the main character, she's always seen, you know, she's got a short haircut. She's, she's never wearing a bra. She's usually just dressed, you know, some, in some scenes it's like very skimpy. And in some scenes she's just wearing like a hoodie, like a zip up hoodie or something like that. Yeah. It's no one seems to be um uh set to these expectations of gender or not not yeah. as much at least which which is a nice look into what the future might be i always think about the i always think about the star trek thing where there is a couple of uh test shots where john luke picard has a toupee on and oh, uh, because they thought about starting that way and then when um what's uh what's his name roddenberry came found out about that he was like, no, take that off. And they said, he's like, why? This is like the 70s, or sorry, the late 80s, early 90s. We want to, we, we have a sex symbol kind of thing. And they're like, they're in the future. They are, they don't care about this kind of stuff anymore. Like, true, you need true. to think that, like, that's why it's multi-ethnic. That's why it's, you know, many genders. They don't care. You know, like, that's awesome. And, uh, I love that. And I think the same thing about this. I really, one of the things I love about devs is the way they shoot San Francisco. They shoot yeah. San Francisco so real that it looks fake. 
until you realize it's real and you're like, yeah. oh my God. Like, it's kind of like this, it's kind of like the box that predicts the future that predicts the future that predicts inside that box is a box that predicts the future. Yeah, 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 that yeah, box. yeah. And it's yeah. kind of like this, like, oh my God, but it's the same thing of that. It's like, it's shooting it so real that it looks fake, that it looks real, that it looks fake. Yeah. Um, the other things I'll say is, uh, is like, my thing about the show was the first two episodes are really, really phenomenal. And I think the last two episodes are really, really great. And in the middle gets a little soggy. And I think yeah, that it could have been, it could have been two episodes shorter. I think it could have been a six episode series. And I think the reason for that is because that story I think was meant for a movie. And I, I, I think uh, that I, it, it feels, I I'm completely guessing right now, but it feels that way that if the middle is a little soggy like that, it meant that they had to write it out and it felt like they probably wouldn't have been a tighter movie. Um, that being said, the set design, the tall girl, uh, thing with the, the reflective images constantly being around, yeah. I think, I think it was really great. I, 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 unfortunately, I think the victim of this whole thing is going to be, um, is going to be the main character. I think that people don't like her performance, who she's in many of Alex Garland's thing. Her name is Sonia, uh, Sonia Mizono. She plays Lily Chen and she has a really tough job and I don't really blame people for not liking it, but I don't really put it at her feet and go, Oh, she did a bad job. I, I think, I think it's a really tough role. Um, and not a particularly likable one too. Yeah. I, I don't think her performance is great. She's one of those actresses to me who can do, um, extreme emotions very well, but is very bad at doing just regular conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't, you, you, you talk about how it's kind of soggy in the middle as well. I honestly think you could completely excise the Russian spy storyline and the security guy storyline from this movie or this show. Oh. I don't think that needs to be there. Oh, and I, think I think the that security would... guy is important. I just, I, I, I think if he is going to be there, I think he needed to be played as more of a mental threat than a physical threat. Cause it just seems so heavy handed and ham handed when he comes in and he's just guns a blazing, shooting people, strangling people, all that stuff. I guess that maybe he's supposed to be some metaphor for like the, a bygone era of just like getting things done physically, rolling up your sleeves, this, that, and the other, but it just didn't seem to, the payoffs never seemed great. And I, I just felt like it was, it was cheesy a little bit. Well, I, the one part I did not like was the scene with, with, uh, Allison Pill and Nick Offerman and uh, and Kenton, the security guy, because they were kind of like disavowing him of like, oh, you did all this stuff? And it's like, well, wait a second. Wait. So this guy has been with you for a long time. He's definitely thought this was the right thing to do for a long time. Yeah. So what? now all of a sudden you're turning around going, how dare you? I thought yeah. it would have been a lot more interesting if the characters were like, didn't work, didn't work. Oh, okay. Well, you know, best of luck. Well, we're going to stop. So and then he probably freaks out that way there's some ways where you can read it where they kind of had to do that in order to drive him to the point where he do something extreme, like kill mm. Lily in her room. So like, like there's, there are ways to read that. I don't think that all those readings hold water. And, and that's primarily because when it comes to really like staring directly at the sun and, and watching the scene where they are watching what happens five minutes in the future that, that, that I just explained, it doesn't work quite as well. So I'm not sure I want to give it the reading that I just said, but, but I think there is an argument to say that. Um, I don't know. I, I think all in all, one of the things that I find uh, most interesting about this as an Alex Garland movie is when you think about something like Ex Machina, that mm -hmm. movie is about machines gaining sentience and what happens when they gain sentience. Essentially, like what happens when the singularity comes, machines are self-aware and we can no longer control them. AIs are now running amok and they're beyond our control. Right. The coolest thing about this show and I've never really seen this before in any sci-fi is that 
this is about what happens when humans become self-aware and when yeah. humans question and figure out for certain what is in our genetic makeup and what is determining what we do. And in that sense, while a lot of what Alex Garland has done is about the AI singularity, this is the first interpretation of like the human singularity that I've really ever seen in sci-fi. I know it probably exists out there somewhere, but I haven't seen it in a TV show, like a visual medium yet. And I actually really, I found that really, really neat. Yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting. It's, a, it's an interesting take. Uh, I think there's good things all over in this show. And it being eight episodes, I hope will encourage people to watch it because it's not daunting. It is a limited series, so it's going to end and it's never going to go on again, hopefully. Right. And so, like, you know, now it's like you have eight episodes. You're going to have a take on it for sure, whether you like it or no. But you're going to have some ideas because it definitely does make you think. Uh, it's stylish to look at. There's some really great performances. I really like Nick Offerman as Forrest. Like it's, it's yeah, same, hard. Same. He's it's hard. He does so many things while acting where he's both menacing and brilliant and compassionate and smart. He's a guy you can play Frisbee with in the middle of the street. And he could be like, and he can be after guy. he tries to kill you essentially. Like yeah. he's that charming. Yeah. And you believe it. You believe every yeah. bit of it. You're like, that's, and it takes, it takes an, a pretty exceptional actor to, to do that. I also think Alison Pill, who's a very good actor, uh, does a really good job as Katie because she is definitely trying one thing to be a very systematic computing, like kind of person, very straightforward and unblinking about a lot of stuff. And, uh, I thought she did a really good job as well. So it's, it, there's lots of good stuff all over in the show. Yeah. I, I just want to say one more thing that, that I, I really want to credit Alex Garland for. Um, and that's, it's, it's his attempt at what's, what, what's called hard SF, like hard sci-fi where the very often sci-fi is more about a broad idea and it doesn't try to use science to explain it or back it up. There's a line that's drawn in the sand between those sorts of of works and what what is what's known in, in the science fiction world as hard science fiction, where they try to use uh, you know real life equations, actual theories on quantum physics and quantum mechanics to explain everything that's going on. They often mention things like all the different theories about quantum physics. There, there's like the four or five that they that they talk about. W one which is like completely disavowed by Forrest Nick Offerman's character, um, and they try to make it as realistic as possible, as absurd as it seems. They're trying to find a way to say like, no, no, no. There's a way that science can can make this real, or what how this can actually be real. So it almost takes it out of the realm of science fiction and makes right. it science, which, which I mm. find uh, when it's done well is, is, is a masterpiece. And, and this was very close to tying off all those loose ends, I think. And, and, and credit to that, like, for example, <laughs> doing it in, in a way of like incorporating symbolism, the moment, uh, the, the climactic moment where Lily and Forrest are in that box together and, mm. and kind of they're, they're moving from devs, which is that very, structured this is the way the world's going to work out to the outside world um they're in a vacuum right and as they transition from one area to the other they're literally in a vacuum because the devs area is, is secluded in a, in a vacuum area it's, it's held up by electromagnets or electromagnetics um and in that moment it's essentially like a nod to schrodinger's box where it's yeah. like whatever happens in there they're both alive and dead she makes the decision. She doesn't make the decision. She ruins the future. She saves the future. Everything that happens there is literally and figuratively in a vacuum. And I was like, yeah. that's a really fucking nice touch. Like that, yeah. setting that up in the first episode for the payoff in the very end, that's the kind of thing that I'm like, Alex, 
hats off. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so I, I think for the most part, we're saying we recommend the show. We really loved it. Absolutely. And it's, yeah. it's not perfect, but there are so much good coming out of it. And it's a very interesting time in the world's history to be watching a show like this that really makes you think about human existence and, you know, kind of what makes us human in general. So Mikey, yeah. you recommend it for sure, right? It, absolutely. Like it's, it, there, it's hard to find sci-fi this good without reading a book. Uh, and, oh, and that's totally. like, I think the highest praise you can say about it. Like it, it visually, thematically, everything it, 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 it's striking on all cylinders. Totally. If you like a show that mentions the title as much as possible, you're in hog heaven then because they say the word <laughs> and then And then changes the title and then 10 minutes the title. In, uh, with 10 minutes left in the season. Yeah. And, and in, did you notice in episode eight, yes. the title shows up as Deus? Like Literally changes death? it to Deus, which was really I nice. Know. That was amazing. Uh, yeah. Amazing. A lot of nice touches in that, in that show. Well, so if you have thoughts on devs, we want to hear about it. Please hit us up on our social media and we can continue this conversation offline. But more than anything, thank you very much for listening. We hope you're staying sane and safe. And we love you, D-Pads, and we can't wait to talk to you soon. Game over. <laughs> Sing song. Sing song. Game over. Feel free to review the podcast. <clears throat> Feel free to review the podcast on your platform of choice, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode. Subscribe, like, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Listen direct and find our show notes at theretrogradepod.com. Join us on Facebook or on Instagram at theretrogradepodcast. Or Twitter at retrogradepod. And you can always send us an email at theretrogradepodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this, make sure you let your player two know it. <laughs> if you enjoyed this, make sure to let your player two know to give us a listen. Let's play again next week. D-Pat. No, that sounds so dumb with a pause. What is wrong with me? Am I have a head injury? Let's play again next week, D-Pads. Fuck it. That sounded good. Me and the boys could fill a car. Go get some fresh tats in Georgia.